I'm Jane Murphy, a public relations and strategic communications student here at SMU. Welcome to Hello Hilltop. Today, I'll be interviewing Juan Francisco de la Guardia, a former SMU alum. Juan is an award-winning filmmaker with over a decade of experience creating narrative and documentary-style content for film and TV. Thank you for joining me today. We are super happy to have you here. It is an honor. Oh, thank you. No, it's mine. Um, a little bit about your early life. So you have a very unique and interesting background as you've spent most of your childhood growing up in Panama. So my first question for you is what made you move to the United States and at what age were you? So the, the first time I got to live a little bit in the U.S., I was actually just three years old and my father was uh, studying uh, medicine. So he did like a, a one-year residency when I was a little kid in Minnesota. And that's why I still say Minnesota. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I uh, kind of learned my English there at three, four years old and then went back to Panama my whole life. And then at 25, after undergrad in Panama and after working a few years in, in the local production scene, um, I applied to a, a couple of film schools and SMU was one of them. And SMU offered me a full scholarship to come get an MFA there. So that's how I ended up back up in the US. So what was the transition like from Panama to the US, like specifically like the cultural differences? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I already had the English and everything. Mm-hmm. I already had my fantasy football league. <laughs> that's, so, a, that's an important factor. <laughs> right, you know, going to Texas wasn't like, like the hugest cho- shock for me, uh, I guess compared to a lot of other immigrant uh, students, but, the temperature, you know, I mean, Texas isn't supposed to be the most harsh place, but yeah. I'm used to like a nice steady 80 something degrees every day consistently. So, uh, you know, hot, hotter summers and colder winters were probably the, the worst of the shock for me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a climate change. During your young years, so what inspired you to become interested in film? Yeah. Oh, so when I was a little kid, Panama was under a dictatorship, mm-hmm. um, Manuel Noriega. And uh, so we only had like three, there were like three national channels um, and on broadcast. And then if you wanted to, like cable was all very censored. So if you wanted to get, you know, media from outside, you basically had to have like your own satellite dish. Oh, wow. Um, we didn't. But the building, we lived at house, and across the street from us was a tall residential and, building. Uh, my parents, I don't know if it was wise of them, but, like, they really didn't supervise anything I watched. So that was kind of my, my nanny growing up was the television and HBO. You know, I, I was watching, like, Oz and The Wire. Well, The Wire was a little later, but I was watching, watching stuff that I shouldn't be watching as a kid, but it definitely influenced my life and... Uh, it, it cemented kind of like what I wanted to do was tell stories through that medium, which was like, to me, that was the only escape from a fairly kind of boring yeah, authoritarian system that I was in, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Were most of the like shows and um, productions you'd watch Americanized or did you watch any like local? I watched, I watched a lot of local. I mean, it's clearly a, a lot of American influence, even in the local. One of my bigger local influences when I was a teenager, uh, our first, like, SNL-type show 
came out, came out, you know, like Saturday night variety sketch show kind of thing on TV. Um, and that was, uh, that was kind of pretty breakthrough. It was called La Cascara, like a, the peel, like a banana peel. <laughs> and, uh, so that was pretty much like the most groundbreaking, funny kind of thing that came out of Panama. And it was, you know, just as popular as SNL is here. I think it may still be. When you were younger, um, prior to moving to the U.S., besides watching films per mm -hmm. se, did you do different projects or um, take classes or anything related to arts and media? And yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, so when my, my undergrad in Panama was a TV production um, degree, and but it was a night school. Uh, a lot of Panama, like vocational technical schools like that are at night so people can work during the day. Right. Um, so I went to film school at night, basically undergrad film school at night during the day. I either worked in productions. Uh, so I filmed all kinds of, you know, commercials, documentaries, mm -hmm. TV shows, whatever in Panama. Um, and I also, uh, I had a, a, a friend who went to, uh, an, a, another art school close by, like really close to my university and she went during the day. So if any day that I didn't have work, I would go in there and I would just, you know, I had like an agreement with the teachers. They would just let me like sit in, observe the class. So I took like basically like photography classes for free and stuff that were kind of like ancillary, tangential to what I wanted to study, but weren't offered in my university. So. Oh, that's so cool. That's nice mm -hmm. that that's like, that was an outlet that you could use. Mm -hmm. um, did your parents, their occupations, arts-based or was, are you kind of the fine? Black sheep, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my parents are doctors, uh, or doctor and psychologist. So, you know, doctor and doctor light. Right. Um, but definitely super traditional. My uncles are all either doctors or lawyers. Uh, you know, come, I come from like, a you know, old, not like rich family, but like, you know, like old money, like they have to pretend to be rich. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's all like societal status and whatever. And the choices that I was, that I were making were very, uh, you know, kind of, they were very cautious about it. I had a million talks from, they would send me all kinds of uncles and people to like buy me lunch and be like, you know, like the arts are good, but you know, <laughs> be a lawyer and do art on your spare time. That's the smart thing. That's funny. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely have to I definitely have to smile and survive throughout all that uh, while I just knew that, like, you either pursue your thing 100 percent or you will regret it later. Yeah, that's good that you knew, like, during the time what you wanted to do. Um, so I'm going to mm -hmm. shift gears just a little bit. So now sure. in terms of education, you t talked about it a little bit, but what made you choose SME specifically? Uh, well, I mean, they cheated because they gave me money. So <laughs> that's bribe. that's that's. Definitely a factor. <laughs> uh, uh, the, you know, I, I, I applied to about four schools, you know, like uh, I think I hit up like Emerson was uh, like, you know, full disclosure, Emerson was like my first choice kind of thing. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, you know, I was going for not not uh, film per se. I was actually going for because the SMU had cinema television. Right. Right. And my my realistic path of career was okay go to america do one two years whatever grad school and then you know i'm i'm not an american citizen so like 
school's over, you go back to Panama, and now I just have a more valuable degree than my competition, right? That's, right, yeah. That's it. Um, so, so I chose SMU because they had, you know, I, I didn't apply to, like, NYU or USC. One guy couldn't afford it, but other, because, like, if, if schools that were too specifically into film – like I, I can't sell that back in Panama. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so SMU was attractive because like Emerson, they had like media stuff. You know, it was like film and TV. Yeah. TV is probably what I could sell and what I did sell even over here. Yeah. Did you so when you were applying and going to college, did you know exactly what you wanted to do or kind of more of a general idea? I knew I mean I I, I knew exact because I had already gone through undergrad right Mm -hmm. so like I knew I wanted to go to grad school like a film school but I I wanted the degree to have you know like I didn't want to like only shoot in celluloid you know what I mean like because there's definitely schools like that And, and and there's sure there's there's a point to that like you know there's people who've like I have never touched anything but film I I wanted I chose SMU uh, to apply to out of my like four that I applied to because it had kind of a a broader degree. Yeah, that that makes sense. So while at SMU, um, did you have a favorite professor, and what were some of your favorite memories? <laughs> well, so I don't want to make anyone a little jealous. broad. <laughs> um i i I have to say that you know there were there were three professors that were part of my uh thesis committee at smu and they were definitely you know i chose them because i had the best relationships with them and and uh enjoyed them the most uh mark karen's Derek compare and sean griff um and i would say they're my, my favorite professors because they like they get it that really the impact that they can have is almost bigger outside of the classroom than what they can try to shove in your brain in 90 minute lectures. Yeah. Um, you know, the three of them always go kind of above, above and beyond trying to, uh, you know, help students with their projects outside of class. Uh, Mark Karens was, well, while I was there, he was super involved in the Student Filmmakers Association, which, you know, he doesn't get paid anything extra for. Um, it's just helping students who have a passion for making pet projects that are not for credit. They just want to make stuff. And, like, those teachers get that that's the only way to get good at this, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that so, is really nice. It really does make a difference when the professor goes the extra mile and meets with you so um what were some of the courses that they taught that you took i if you if you remember Derek, Derek compare had this uh global media studies that was really eye-opening first you know a theoretical history on media and how it's created and 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 consumed and stuff like that it's a lot of super interesting things there but it also made me very you know even though i'm uh, consider myself worldly person you know uh grew up with tv and media from all over the world or whatever um i really hadn't looked at the creation of media from like from hispanic countries versus american countries and how idiosyncrasies influence on what we create and i ended up making like uh like my my class project at the end of that class was like 
comparing uh, Ugly Betty with Betty La Fea. I don't know if you're familiar with those or if you ever saw it, but it's like, you know, a huge thing in the 2000s. This is like not telenovela. Yeah, from I, yes. Colombia about, you know, Ugly Betty. And basically, like, in the, in the American version, it's this girl, uh, Ferrara, who is, you know, not traditionally attractive. The actress isn't, you know, not traditionally attractive. And she goes through a journey of finding out, like, how her self-worth isn't in her looks and all this, you know, like, mm-hmm. a, a typical American story. You get that. Yes. But in the Hispanic version, what, and, and all the other versions around the world, uh, the original version is a girl who is, the actress is, uh, like, a Miss Universe, right? Mm-hmm. And they just ugly her up for the show. And then her story is about everybody thinking she's ugly, but at the end she has a glow up and marries the white knight who saves her. Oh, wow. So I didn't know that. Right? It's like the completely different arc. You know, it's like, and, and it's a lot about how societies value women and value beauty and stuff like that. It's like, you know, the story at the end was like, your inner beauty will make you actually outer pretty, and then the man you want will marry you and fix your things. Super bizarre. And uh, so anyways, that, that was a really eye-opening class that I haven't really thought about how our cultures differ and, and how, you know, even in a show that gets copied, in a way, by the U.S., Yeah. Uh, the copy is, like, totally different. Yeah, it seems the, a little bit of a twist on mm-hmm. the two. Then just a little bit about your life after SMU. So mm-hmm. um, after graduating, what have been some of your favorite roles and positions that you've held while working? I've seen you worked in a lot of big networks such as Netflix, Fox, and HBO. So what have been some of your mm-hmm. favorite roles? When I graduated SMU, a company locally in Dallas uh, hired me to be their kind of uh, development director so creating new show concepts and selling them to networks um so when i moved to la uh after marriage that's how i I got a work visa through that company that hired me and then i got married so i didn't need a work visa anymore so here in la i have my own small company Mm -hmm. uh where i usually work out of the out of that company or as a freelancer for another company and I make sizzles. So I make three minute, usually is the average, uh, trailers for either a new concept for a show that a, a production company is trying to sell or an existing show like Undercover Boss, Gordon Ramsay, you know, all those established shows. I've, I've worked on, you know, Love is Blind, all those. Oh, cool. So let's say Gordon Ramsay you know, he needs to, the production company needs to find what's the next restaurant that he's going to save, right? Mm-hmm. So the network want, like, nowadays, more than what's the concept of the show, the network is banking on, like, the characters on each episode need to be great, right? So right, yeah. the, the network needs to approve whatever this restaurant that the next episode's going to be. So... They actually have a team, and I'm, I'm part of that. Um, like, uh, some casting producers go out and find restaurants. They whittle it down. They pick the one they think is the, the best story. And then uh, I make 
the the sizzle i make a three minute trailer about that restaurant and what all the problems that it could have and i make it for an audience of like 10 people oh wow that's cool yeah just the executives at the network the showrunners the directors just the higher ups that need to pre-visualize what gordon ramsay's episode could be uh you know and then from then i'm not the person who who approves or disapproves if the restaurant gets picked i'm just the guy who gives them the best chance of getting picked like that's my job whether it's a restaurant or like some guy who wants to find love on a dating show my job is to make them as appealing a character to the network as possible wow so do you when you do this do you have like a team that does it with you or is it just a one-man show uh depends on the scope and the budget so some of some are like uh usually if it's a spec show like if it's a new show that that is just has some development money but hasn't gone on yet it, i might be a one hat you know all sorry all the hats <laughs> uh one man band right uh where i do all the interviews and everything but more often in these bigger shows like Gordon Ramsay or whatever, uh, there is like a full. It's all. It's almost like a like a like a skeleton production crew um, goes out there, does interviews, or does a lot of Zoom interviews, stuff like that. Um, and then I do a lot of the editing. That's kind of. I used to do a lot more on on set or you know on location and, and doing the interviewing and stuff. But especially since COVID. A lot of it's moved to right on virtual on Zoom and just a lot more editing. Which yeah. I'm so you know now that I'm about to turn forty tomorrow. Oh wow! Uh, Happy early birthday! <laughs> thank you, thank you. Now I'm about to you know I'm an old man and I have a, a baby and another baby in the way. Oh, so. that's so exciting! Congrats! Thank you. I'm very happy to to stay behind and edit most of the time. Yeah, that no that I, that makes sense. So, um, one of my final questions. What advice do you have for current SMU seniors who are about to join the workforce? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, well, like just speaking to generally not LA, not even talking about LA, but it's even more applicable here is that you have to make connections. Right. You know, we we are in a in a world where like there's there's a lot of skilled, smart, talented people out there. You know, and you may have a, a great degree and you may have all the kind of skills, but like so do a bunch of other people. Yeah, you gotta and sometimes stand the, out. You know, the, the the reason somebody is gonna want to work with you is like, sure, you meet the requirements and you can get the work done. But do I want to spend months of my time with you? Yeah. You know, are you gonna be difficult to give notes to? Mm-hmm. You know, are you gonna be defensive about all your choices? <laughs> yeah. You know, stuff like that. That like, I mean, everybody learns as they just grow as a as a worker and dealing with other people um so the the best way to get in 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 all that the best way to have somebody give you a shot is to kind of use sympathy and you get sympathy from connections you already may have like smu Mm -hmm. so like i encourage smu people um we have this like smu network that we're trying to build just so you can have your name information there and you can look up people like me who, you know, there's a bunch of us willing to help. Uh, your professors can hook you up with some of us too. 
because, you know, that's how I found some of my first jobs out here in LA. Uh, just, Hey, SMU people, do you, anyone in TV development? It's hard to get your foot in anywhere, you know, yeah, without, I, without I some totally kind of personal agree. connection. Yeah. And SMU does a great job with their alumni network, which is a great resource for SMU seniors and upcoming seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you again for spending the My time pleasure. with me today, um, as it was really good to get a glimpse of what life is like in the film industry, and I really enjoyed speaking with you. I did too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in on our next episode of Hello Hilltop.